listening to the Learning to Believe Again podcast with your host, Brittany Bexton. Where do you begin when you're learning to believe again? Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. This week, I'm going to actually talk about a topic that relates to domestic abuse, but I'm going to bring it back to a biblical standpoint. October is actually the month of domestic abuse awareness, and it has been an issue that's been really prevalent in society. But today I want to specifically talk about one thing that helps people get into abuse, often keeps people stuck, and also tries to mess with people once they got out. And that is specifically ignoring the fruit of what someone's character and actions tell you. Let me explain. On the front end, if you don't see the fruit of someone's character and actions and you don't pay attention and become a good fruit inspector and you don't actually look for their character traits and at what their actions are saying, it can be easy to end up in abuse as a result of not taking the time to actually watch their actions and their character. In the middle of it, it can be hard to get out because of this deficit in character. And it can be hard to actually face the fact that when someone is in the middle of abuse, they realize that they may have actually ignored some of those things early on and not realized it. And sometimes the embarrassment of realizing that you didn't recognize an abusive part of someone up front can make it actually harder for people to leave. And it can make people want to tell themselves in the midst of it that it's really not that bad. This is where cognitive dissonance comes in. But what I deal with a lot, and when I say deal with, I mean what I am presented with a lot because I help people get out and I help people heal after they've gotten out of domestic abuse situations is a lot of people tell me that they actually carry a lot of shame and embarrassment over the fact that they didn't see it in the beginning or that even after they saw what the person was and recognized what was going on, they didn't get out right away. So what I want to do today in this episode is address that and totally unravel that shame and that embarrassment. You see, a lot of people are embarrassed by that, but the reality is that in society and actually in most churches, we are taught not to judge. We are also taught to not look for the evil in people, but actually we are taught to look for the good in people. We are taught to look for the good. We are never taught to look for the evil. Now, while this is good in some circumstances, obviously we don't want to judge a person by their exterior appearance. The old adage, don't judge a book by its cover. We also never have a right to judge someone to condemnation or to judge them to a point where we would bring vengeance upon them. Vengeance belongs to God and only God can condemn someone. It is not our place to judge someone on that type of level. However, we are actually supposed to watch a person's actions 
And we are supposed to judge their actions and their fruit. If there is a negative action or negative character traits, we are supposed to recognize and judge those things. In Matthew 7, 16 to 20, it says, You can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way that they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. So we are absolutely supposed to inspect their actions. But the reason I say I want to unravel this shame and embarrassment that so many people carry is take it off of yourself. You are not taught. If you have experienced abuse in any way, I just want to reassure you, you were not taught to look for the evil or the bad in people. You were taught to look for the good. People are not raised up learning about the patterns of domestic abuse and what that looks like on the front end. And the truth is, if domestic abuse started with overtly, obviously abusive behaviors, no one would end up in it. They play a love scam when someone is abusing. It's a manipulation game for them. But even in the midst of that, there are certain things that you can see and experience. And pretty much every person that I have ever known that has been in a situation of domestic abuse actually did have what society would call a gut check. I'm going to say a Holy Spirit check early on in the relationship. There was some sort of red flag that popped up and you had a check in your spirit of some sort. Maybe it wasn't a huge check. Maybe it was just a, does this feel right? Something about this feels strange. Maybe it was, do I actually like what's going on right now? I'm not sure. Every person that I have ever spoken to that has been in a domestic abuse situation had some of those Holy Spirit gut checks in the very beginning and even sometimes at different points throughout. But they also either ignored them or talked themselves out of them. And that, that is where so many people carry shame and embarrassment that they ended up in a situation like that. So I say again, people are not taught to look for the evil in another person. People are taught to look for the good, which unfortunately has been a distorted lesson actually in our society and in most churches because while we are not supposed to judge someone to condemnation we absolutely are supposed to judge someone's actions we are also supposed to test words it says in first john 4 1 dear friends do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the spirit you must test them to see if the spirit they have comes from god Now, that's specifically talking about people that are preaching, but the same goes for people that speak pretty words to you. Do their actions match their words? Is there something in you 
that is reacting because your spirit is reacting and something is not right because your spirit is recognizing in that test that something is off. Many, many, many people that end up in domestic abuse end up in it, one, out of ignorance. Now, what I mean by ignorance is that they just don't know what domestic abuse looks like at the front end because most people are not taught what domestic abuse and the patterns of domestic abuse look like. So they don't recognize straight out of the gate that love bombing, which is an over-attentiveness and affection to a point almost of obsession and inappropriateness, but that can come up in a lot of different ways, including mirroring, which is that person acting and pretending like they have everything in common with you or telling you that they love everything about you when really they don't know you yet. So love bombing takes a number of forms, but it's an over-affection. So people are not taught that that is abuse. Very rarely do people grow up being taught to be careful and wary of people that are overly, extremely affectionate to you. But there is something in your spirit that will react to that. And we are called to test the fruit. We are not taught that societally, but I'm teaching you now. Because though societally, they often leave that out and they just tell you to look for the good in people. And in church, that often is the same message that gets portrayed. What we're actually supposed to do is to walk in discernment and to test their actions. Well, to check and examine their actions, the fruit that they produce by their actions, and their words by the Spirit. So we are supposed to exercise discernment. So if you, at any point in your life, ended up in an abusive situation, or even just an unhealthy situation, maybe even with a friend or a work colleague or something, I just want to let you off the hook now and tell you, you were not taught to look for the evil in people. You were taught to look for the good. The challenge is that in being taught that, you are actually taught to override your Holy Spirit discernment by looking for the good instead of focusing on what that discernment told you. So I am going to reteach you today and say, don't look for the good in people. Check their actions. Now, I'm not saying that if someone's hurting, you shouldn't help them find the good in them and remind them that they are a child of God. Go for that. Absolutely. That is a wonderful thing to do. But do not ignore your discernment and watch people and judge their actions. It says that we will know people by their actions, just as we can examine and know a tree by its fruit, so we can examine and know a person and their character by their actions. So, if you have experienced that in your past, you are off the hook. You did what any good person would do, and you looked for the good in that person. But I'm giving you permission now, from this day forward, to always listen to your discernment and test the words and check the fruit and examine the actions. Your discernment is there for a reason. If you are a person that was on the outside watching a loved one be sucked into this, let them off the hook. 
They were taught to look for the good in people, and they were experiencing probably the biggest scam of their lives. Because who scams someone with the idea of love? It takes a pretty messed up person to use love as a way to manipulate and abuse and rob someone. Now, the Bible teaches us that there are evil and wicked people. So though societally we may not be taught to look for that, we actually really do have to be aware that some people come disguised as angels of light, but they are actually a wolf in sheep's clothing. They are actually of the enemy. This is why we need to be fruit inspectors. So I see this a lot of the time. People end up in abusive situations for that reason. And then once they are in abuse, they start seeing some of these unhealthy, negative and abusive patterns come up. But at that point, they are so deeply entrenched that it's really hard to comprehend that they could have missed that someone could do something that evil or act in such an evil way. It is hard to comprehend that someone could lie in such a way. And because of that, sometimes people find it easier to try to believe the lie than to try to wrap their heads around the hard truth. But I'm here to tell you today that the truth, even the hard truth, even the truth that is painful, is what sets you free. And the truth is so much better than the lie. Because the lie might have you believe that that person isn't actually evil or that their actions aren't evil and that you didn't miss it. But that lie would also have you trapped in a situation that is so much less than what you deserve, that is so unhappy and unhealthy, that keeps you pulled down and in a place that you do not belong. Where God says the truth might be hard to face, that you either missed it in the beginning or that you ignored it in the beginning. But that's because you're a good person who was looking for the good in other people. And now, now that you've experienced the truth, you know better. Now that you know that you overrode that experience in the beginning, you know enough to not do it again. And God says, the truth sets you free. Well, I'll tell you why the truth is so much better than the lie. The lie keeps people stuck in abuse and unhealthy situations and unrest. But the truth sets people free. The lie says that abuse is okay and that that person's really good and that that horrible treatment that you are going through is okay. But the truth says that person was a nasty person. Yes, you might have missed it in the beginning, but you won't miss it again because now you know enough to listen to your discernment. And the truth says that there is a situation and a relationship for you that is so much better than you could ask, think, or imagine, that is beyond what you have ever experienced, that is healthy, that is happy, that you feel safe in, that you are safe in and respected in, that actually brings joy and light to your life. That truth, no matter how hard it is to face that you may have missed it or that that person that you have invested time in is not healthy and not good for you, that truth, as hard as it can be to face, is so much better than the lie because the lie keeps someone who is in abuse stuck in abuse. But the truth sets them free. 
And the truth allows you and enables you to have the healthy, happy future and relationship that God truly has for you. So that's what can happen in the middle when someone's in abuse. That's the reason cognitive dissonance often comes up. It's because someone has a hard time grasping that hard truth. But I'm here to say that the hard truth still sets you free and the hard truth is so much better than the lie. Then the third stage comes in when someone finally gets out. They finally recognize the truth and they look back and they see how could I have missed it? It is hard to comprehend that someone could be that level of evil where they knew what they were doing, they chose to lie and manipulate, and to hurt a person that they were supposed to love. And there's this thing that comes up that usually brings shame, like, how could I have missed it? And it can be hard to fully break a trauma bond that someone has with an abuser until they fully face that. And recognize that that person who abused them knew exactly what they were doing. They planned it. They calculated it. They chose to lie. They knew every time they abused you how it would hurt you and how you would react. It can be really hard to fully face that and recognize there was evil in that person. And I allowed myself to get in that. That can be something really hard for someone, even on the other side of abuse, getting out of it to wrap their heads around. But again, I say, you are a good person. You were taught to look for the good in people, not the evil. Most people don't grow up being told that there are evil people in the world or that you should look for evil or what the signs of abuse are. You did exactly what you knew how to do with the knowledge and the lessons that you had. And you are a good person who looked for the good in people. But now, now that you have experienced it, now that you have experienced what abuse looks like, what it feels like, what a person like that operates in, now you can know better. You can be proud in a healthy way. You can feel confident that you are a person that went into that situation with a good heart caring about people, wanting to see the best in people. And you can come out of it knowing that you are still that caring person, but now you have wisdom. There is actually a Bible verse. I can't remember the exact address, but it says sometimes you have to be made a fool to be made wise. Sometimes our lessons come out of the foolish moments that we have experienced because once we experience it, We can't ever unexperience it. So now you know better. Now you know what to look for. Now you know that when those red flags pop up, you will not ignore them ever again. Now you know that when that Holy Spirit gut check comes up, you will pay attention and you will listen to your discernment and you will examine the fruit. Sometimes hard truths are the very things that grow us into the people that God always made us to be. They might be hard to face, and there can be a lot of tears involved, but they're also a blessing because they teach us to walk in our calling in a safe and healthy way, and they enable us to help other people. So I'm just going to leave you with that tonight. If you are someone who has ever struggled with shame or embarrassment from believing someone who betrayed you in any way, shape, or form, 
or ending up in an abusive situation and you've looked back and wondered either how you could have missed it or you've also looked back and seen that you didn't miss it entirely and wondered why you stayed so long or why you were in, why you could have stayed and felt embarrassment about that I'm giving you permission today to totally let yourself off the hook you did the best you knew how with the tools and the knowledge and the understanding that you had at the time And now you know better. And I'm giving you permission from now on to be a fruit inspector and to judge people by their actions. I do not mean judge them to condemnation. I do not mean judge them and treat them badly. I mean judge their actions so that you know what you do and do not want in your life so that you can recognize red flags and Listen to your discernment and stay away from people that can and likely will be harmful to you. You are given godly discernment for a reason. And the good news is, looking back and recognizing the red flags that you did see and that you did experience, that means that you get to trust yourself again. You might have made the mistake the first time because you didn't know better and you didn't know how to process those red flags that were coming up. You didn't know how to process that discernment that was coming up for you. But now you can look back and see that you did have that discernment, that God did warn you and give you those moments. And now, now you know how to process that discernment. So I'm giving you permission to trust yourself again, to listen to the discernment from now on and to be a fruit inspector that judges the actions So that anything that is not a good tree bearing good fruit in your life can be cut off so that you are no longer harmed in those situations. Now, again, this isn't permission to be nasty to people. This is about learning to discern and recognize your own discernment, giving yourself permission to watch people's actions and judge those actions, not the people, but the actions And wisely make a decision to set boundaries and protect yourself in the right situations. We are meant to be fruit inspectors and we are made to test the spirit. In fact, we are called to do it. Sometimes it's hard to know where exactly and how to test the fruit. So I want to use just the example from 1 Corinthians 13, which you probably know as the love verse. But when examining people's motives and their hearts by their actions, this is a great verse to test the spirits and to test the actions and the fruits. Measure what's going on against these things. If you don't know what else to measure it by, the word of God is always a good measure. So check their actions with this. 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love is not boastful. It does not rejoice in the wrong. It rejoices whenever the truth wins out. And it goes on from there. But those are the main points. Is that person kind? Not just to you, because remember, in a situation when someone first meets you, they might actually be trying to get something from you. Is that person kind in general 
to people, to you and to other people around them? Do you see genuine kindness? Is that person patient? Do you see them be patient with others? And are they patient with you? Do they allow you space and time to figure things out? Are they willing to wait for you to be ready for things? Or do they push you to move quickly, to jump into serious relationship right away? Are they patient with you? Are they jealous? Does this person show jealousy? And how is that manifesting? Because it says love is not jealous. That would be an example of bad fruit in action. It also says that they are not boastful. Is this someone who constantly boasts about themselves? Do they throw themselves out in front of people to be seen? Are they using you or other people around them to make themselves look good? What are they doing? They might even be boasting about you. But is that behavior happening early on? And I'm not saying you know, the encouraging things. I'm talking about boasting and haughty behavior. So those are some things to look at if you don't know where to start when examining the fruit. But I give you permission to be a fruit inspector. You are meant to be a fruit inspector. So I just want to bless you with that and encourage you with that. And if you yourself have never experienced domestic abuse, thank God for that. And if you are someone who has a loved one that has or is, I hope that this episode will also be helpful to them. There is a lot of biblical truth about domestic abuse, about abuse, period, and how we are to not tolerate it. So I give you permission to not tolerate abuse and to be fruit inspectors. And I just want to leave you with a blessing for healing and encouragement this week. God, thank you for every listener on with me. I pray, God, that you bless them with your healing balm, that you touch their hearts and their minds through Christ Jesus, God. It is written that you transform them by the renewing of their minds through Christ Jesus. So, God, we ask you for that transformation by the renewing of their minds and hearts through Christ Jesus so that they know and do and prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God for their lives. And Lord, help them to know that they are worth all of the good things that you have for them, that you love them, they are loved, and they are worth the good, happy, healthy blessings that you have for their lives. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, amen. Thank you for joining me, listeners. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I will talk to you next week.